DeRozan to Ibaka, to Lowry, near side, three in the air, got it again! Kyle splashes it in the bottom of the well. And DeMar DeRozan right now trying to get thrown out of the game, and, and he, he is. gets thrown out of the and game. And he is. DeMar DeRozan, technical foul, he's thrown out. Shot clock is five. Fleet, great crossover to Perto, who jams it down. Oh, Fred put J.R. Smith on roller skates and found Pirtle for the jam. And now Serge Ibaka has been thrown out. Mark Davis like a garbage man. He's throwing everybody out. Find DeRozan, near side, jumper in the air. Good, it's a quick two for DeMar. And now Dwayne Casey has been thrown out by Haywood Workman. Wow. Now Valanciunas takes his mouthpiece out and is laughing. It was a wow kind of week for the Toronto Raptors, and we're going to try to bring a little bit of wow to this week's Jurassic Pod. What's up, Toronto and basketball fans, the millions out there that subscribe and listen to this podcast every week? I am Gareth Wheeler. He is Josh Lewenberg. And if you're not one of those millions, you should go tell your friends so we can make this billions. Isn't that right, Josh? The ultimate hype man, Gareth Wheeler. Love it. Flavor Flav, I got the big clock around my neck. Uh, That would be a good look for you. Would it really? You could pull it off. Anything that would distract from the face. Let's put it that way. That's exactly what I meant. Uh, We have so much to get to because there were so many scorching hot takes. We thought the day after St. Patty's Day was going to be something else with the refereeing, the officiating, Raptors, Thunderwell. Wednesday night trumped that down in Cleveland, and Josh Lewerberg got behind the wheel and drove his you-know-what down to Cleveland, Ohio. It's beautiful this time of year. I highly read, no, I'm not a huge fan of Cleveland's. I, I, I left the hotel four times in two days to the, uh, the Cavs shoot-around, to the arena, and then twice to Potbelly, one of my favorite sandwich. What's Potbelly? You've never been to Potbelly, no. huh? It, it, one of my favorite sandwich places. They've uh, they've got them all over the states. They actually have one. They opened one here fairly recently. I think it's at Young and King, and I still haven't been there. But whenever I'm in Cleveland, they have got a bunch of them in New York. The meatball sandwich, it's it's real good. At Potbelly. Potbelly. Okay, it's uh, brought to you by Josh Lundberg. How's that? We gotta let's uh, let's call up Potbelly after this podcast. See if we can get some some sponsorship dollars, or at worst, some uh, free meatball sandwiches. Okay. okay. Well, I'm a vegetarian, but. I'm sure they can work something I'll eat, out. I'll eat, I'll eat yours, Wheels. A place like Potbelly, perfect for veggies like me. You, wait, They've you, got some veggie sandwiches. You didn't go to the casino? I thought that I was the what there was to do. And, and you like to gamble. Let's see if Damari Carroll and Corey Joseph are there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I would Doesn't be... that seem like 10 years ago? My God, that seems so long ago. Yeah. But if I'm in Cleveland on a Tuesday, Wednesday night, I'm definitely going to going to the casino. No ifs, ands, or buts. No, I was. Uh, I watched some Netflix, watched some movies. Does LeBron live right in Cleveland, or does he live in Akron and commute? Because I know the practice isn't the practice court in Akron. It's in Independence, whatever the whatever that That's is. That's a city's name, a town's name. Independence, Ohio. Wow. Okay. And it's very American. Cover, covered in snow wheels, like Cleveland. It wasn't snowing when I was there, and there was no snow in Cleveland. Mm. But then Independence, which is like a 20-minute drive, you're driving out to this practice court, and everything is just covered. Everything is white. I I saw some pictures of both Cincinnati, Ohio, which is even more south, which is like on the border of Ohio and Kentucky. Yeah. Snow. Washington, D.C. Snow. And they have baseball coming this week. 
baseball. So it's just been one of those winters. At least it's bright and sunny. It's been bright and sunny all week here in Toronto. Uh, the but- ultimate tease time of year. I find every like mid March, and you look outside, and it's it looks beautiful out, and you're like, right. oh yeah, springtime, and then you you go out, and it's still whatever minus five or. And you can't wear shorts. Like you're tempted. You're like, should yeah. I show these pasty legs? Does does the you world should need never to see you should these? never show those pasty oh, buddy, legs. They, they should be shown, and they will, <laughs> but not yet. Got to wait till it warms up a couple degrees. So obviously we're gonna we're gonna work our way backwards this week, and we're gonna start off what happened Wednesday night in Cleveland, Ohio, and work our way back. You were there. You were witness, not only... Sorry, I couldn't help myself. You were witness to LeBron James and witness to what was an incredible second half performance by the Cleveland Cavaliers. From your vantage point, what did you see and what were your biggest takeaways, Josh? Let's panic. The Raptors aren't going to win the championship anymore, right? No, I'm I'm sorry. I'm being facetious, but... That was pretty good. You sold it well. Did did I get you there? (laughs) Yes. Everyone. Gotcha. Everyone's got their hot takes, and I've heard them all, right? You've got, oh, the same old Raptors, can't win in Cleveland, can't beat LeBron, gave up a 15-point lead, yada, yada. Then on the flip side of things, and equally as ridiculous to me, you've got, well, the Cavs need a a historic night from LeBron and 60% shooting to beat the Raptors by three. And that's ridiculous too, right? They, I mean, both true. Both. No, it's not kind of right now in mid March, late March, maybe it is, but I mean, there, there's too much noise. There's too many caveats on both sides. Obviously with the Cavs, they're missing five players. That's, half of their regular rotation, so obviously that's significant. This isn't what they're going to look like, presumably, in two months from now. And the Raptors, they were in the second night of a back-to-back, playing their 10th game in 16 days, no C.J. Miles. So listen, this isn't Captain Hindsight from me. I said this going into the game. We weren't going to be able to take much of anything from this, and even after the result, I still say my, my analysis is ignore the analysis. It was a fun game. It was a competitive, entertaining game. Take it for what it was, but I don't think we can read, and I don't think we should read anything into this. Now, listen. I disagree with the anything part. Anything. And and this is why. Because you can pick up on things that you did well and things that you need to work on in terms of dealing with Cleveland's attack. Because it was all from the defensive end, where the Raptors got it all wrong. And I think there's some takeaways of some players on this team who need to be better. So, and, and, okay, and, and, and that's sort of where when so I say... maybe the overarching platitudes of this team is this and that team is yes, that. Yes, the, the, the hot takes, the bigger buying. picture stuff. You're right. And listen, I, I mean, I don't think we learned anything from that game. I think we were reminded of a few things, one being LeBron James is crazy good, and if he plays as much as he did on Wednesday night in the playoffs, which he will, and if he plays as well as he did on Wednesday night in the playoffs, which he probably will, then the Cavs are going to be in, they're going to be trouble regardless of what you think of the other pieces. So that's not something that we learned because we should have already known that. And then I, I think on the Raptors side of things, and this is probably what you were alluding to there, Sergi Baca is not reliable. No, Sergi Baca for the Raptors right now is Josh, the ultimate wild card. But that was, was not wor- something we learned either. But we should was, have already known that he was the worst player on the court. Like, at times it looked like the Raptors were playing with four guys. Ibaka was two of eight from a field where everyone else, virtually everyone was hitting their shots. And defensively, he was a liability. Came on, I don't know why Coach Casey brought him in 
Valanchunas on with 2.44 to go. First thing Ibaka did, fouls LeBron James, sends him to the line for three shots. Then LeBron coming down the lane instead of giving up a two, he basically gave up a layup three because he left Kevin Love wide open the corner. Pick your spots. And he wasn't active. He wasn't moving. He was a passenger. And I don't know how much of that had to do with the Raptors playing on the tail end of a back-to-back. Yes, Ibaka has been inconsistent over the season. But simply put, if he plays like that, you cannot play him in big moments of ball games. Uh, he has to start. You're not taking Siakam out of the second unit because the second unit's so good. But if Ibaka, and that's on the individual, if he doesn't step up his play, man oh man, that leaves some serious decision making in terms of rotation for Coach Casey. He's not the only reason why the Raptors have been getting off to slow starts because, of course, that has been an issue, it seems like, for this team for but years we're on the same previous to. Right? Yeah, yeah, well, that's page. where I'm going with this. Previous to Ibaka getting here. The slow starts were still an issue, but I think he's probably the biggest reason, especially recently, why they're having trouble getting out to fast starts, because he sort of eases his way into games, and it's not like he's necessarily getting better as the game goes on, because he's been a liability in the fourth quarter all season. His field goal percentage, his three-point percentage, drops drastically in the fourth, and it seems like, is it just me, Wheels? But I feel like every single game, there's one play where he commits an unnecessary foul on usually a jump shooter, a three-point shooter, sends a guy to the line to shoot three. Uh, And I mean, these are just, a lot of these are mental mistakes when it comes to Ibaka. So he's had, it's hard to sugarcoat, he's had a disappointing season, no matter how you look at it. It's been inconsistent, like he's had his good moments, but it's been inconsistent. Um, and I think the two biggest way of putting it. I think the two biggest issues, without getting too specific, if we're keeping this general, one being fatigue. There's a, a ma- and I tweeted these out today. There's a massive difference in his numbers when he has one, two, or even three days in between games versus zero days playing in back to backs when he he's looked like a completely different player, one that's almost unplayable. And then the second thing is motor effort, right? And maybe that's connected to the fatigue thing, but there are certain nights where it seems like he's not giving it all that he has and all that he should be giving it out there on the floor. And, and you're right, it's it's tough to leave a guy out there when he's not bringing it. This would be my question for you. Do you believe that he can flip the switch and we can see the surge of bucket that he can be? Or... Quite frankly, is he approaching the end? At 28 years old, is he an old 28? Like, are we seeing a player that, quite frankly, isn't the player that he once was and will never be, and never will be again? I'm choosing here to be hopeful that he'll be a different player in the playoffs, and that's sort of been my mindset with Serge all year long, and I'm going to go back to the two things that I just mentioned. One, fatigue. There are no back-to-backs in the playoffs, so he should have, theoretically, adequate rest in between games. And the second thing is the motor. Like, if, if there is an incentive to play hard in March, which I get, for a veteran to some degree game like that, there is you gotta a- bring it. there is absolutely incentive to play hard in the playoffs like that i mean when 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 else would you be saving it for so for me there'd be no reason why Serge Ibaka can't be the good version of Serge no. or shouldn't be the good version of Serge in the playoffs he's got every motivation to play hard and he should have that rest uh if he disappoints in the playoffs then yeah i mean that's a, a huge issue and one 
I, I think the team would have to look at in the offseason because this is why they brought him in. Well, they brought the, him in last season to be the difference, to get them over the hump in the playoffs last year. It didn't happen. The excuse sort of was, all right, well, he came in midseason. He didn't have much time to get on the same page with Kyle Lowry. There would be no such excuse this year if it doesn't happen. And I, and I don't put this on the front office. On, on paper, Ibaka is the ideal fit in this team. Yep, short of Paul supposed- Millsap, he was the guy that fits into that like prototypical power forward that, that theoretically would coexist with Lowry and DeRozan. So he's a guy who can block shots who's not blocking shots right now. A guy that can hit three-point shots was 0 for 4 from the field. Uh, against Cleveland, and a guy that should be better in and around the rim, only came down with four rebounds, nothing on the offensive end against that putrid Cleveland team, and was two of eight from the floor overall. And, and on plays where he should have thrown the ball down, just trying to lay it in, it was just, that's what was most disappointing for me from that game. Because if you have even a decent performance on both ends from Ibaka, you win that ball game. Honestly, and I'm not putting the loss on him. There's a lot of reasons why the Raptors lost. But if he's that much better, you win that game, in my opinion. And short of Lowry and DeRozan, there have been obviously better players with the Raptors this year. But I'm not sure that there's a more important player, especially going into the playoffs, than Serge Ibaka just because of, one, the position and what he's supposed to bring there. Like, even in a matchup like this. this What he's supposed to bring. What he's supposed to bring. Even in this matchup against Cleveland, right? I, I mean, what made the Cavs so dangerous? and remember it was only his second game back, is Kevin Love. He's playing at the five, and they're basically playing four shooters around LeBron James. That's really tough to cover, and as good as Valanchunas has been, and as much as the Raptors would need to figure out a way to utilize him in a series against Cleveland, when they run Kevin Love out there at the five, like that's where you need Serge Ibaka potentially in a five-man situation where he hasn't really played center a whole lot this year, but that's where you need to turn to that, and that's where he's got to be great. Like They need him to be their Kevin Love. A $20 million player. Yeah, how about, how about that? Because Valanciunas and and I said this to Dwayne Sweets Watson. We had the broadcast on TSN Radio on Wednesday night. It was there was bad matchups for both teams defensively, and Valanciunas was six of six. But when Cleveland played small, you couldn't really play. Like I to- totally understood, but that's why we saw one thirty two one twenty nine scoreline because both teams had a difficult time stopping one another, and it was whoever played a little defense first. I thought was going to win the game. The Raptors did play a little defense in the second quarter. I thought the big change and what we did learn and was good to see is Siakam on LeBron James can work. What has to, what cannot happen is the rest of the Raptors players cheating off their defensive marks like they did. They were leaving wide open three-point makes. Like, Jose Calderon and George Hill. George Hill went 10 of 11 from the floor, and Calderon Calderon went 4 for 4 from 3. That cannot happen. And that's not sustainable in the sense that, like, George Hill and and Jose Calderon are not going to do that in a seven-game series, and that's sort of that narrative that I was saying earlier that some people are running with that, okay, well, this isn't sustainable, they're not going to hit that... But there's going to be so much more room for error, I think, when Cleveland gets fully healthy, if they get fully healthy, because what some people are choosing to overlook here is that, again, the Cavs are missing five players. Two of them are among their two best shooters, right? They're missing Kyle Korver and Rodney Hood. And when those guys are out there with LeBron James like that, that attack becomes even more dangerous. So I'm not trying to say that all of a sudden like the pendulum has, has shifted and now the balance of power which was in Toronto is now in Cleveland. Like honestly, I, I, I'm thinking about this now. My thought process is now what it was 
a week ago. It hasn't changed, and I've been saying this now for months, and I know you've disagreed with me along the way. I believe the Raptors are a very good team. I believe that they've got a very good shot against Cleveland, who are, are more vulnerable now than they've been in a long, long time. But LeBron is LeBron. LeBron is really good, and, and the Le- Cavs, Le- by extension, did- are going to be really good and really dangerous come playoff time. But, it's going to be a good, if they do see each other, it's going to be a good competitive series. And yes, I still think the team that has done it before, the player that has done it before, is the favorite. But you cannot ignore the fact that it took LeBron James... 35 points, 17 assists, no turnovers, something that's never been done before, to beat the Raptors on their home court in a game that means something for Cleveland and jockeying for position in a, in a win over the Raptors on the tail end of a back-to-back, and they won by three. And they gave up 79 points. There's that narrative no, no, again. but they gave up 79 points in the first half of play. Listen, they were missing half of their rotation wheels. Can you imagine what we would be saying here after a game in which the Raptors were without five of the ten but guys they, that they play? But this, That's huge. The, but this Cavaliers team, you're not even sure what this entire team's going to be like. Well, that's what just it. Be look it's like the unknown. Come we don't know. We don't know. And that's why I say we shouldn't read that's anything. That's why I don't look at four guys. Tristan Thompson has been horrible this year. Like, downright horrible. And if Thompson plays, do you know who else plays? Jonas Valanciunas. Okay, yep. so let's push that to the side. No, but it's Rodney just a- Hood, wildly inconsistent. Uh, shooter. Kyle Korver, shooter, shooter. But hey, J.R. Smith came in. Jeff Green came in. Both hit shots. I mean, I, I don't know how much you lost there. Look, and the Raptors, and I can make the argument here, that they missed C.J. Miles more than the Cavs missed any of those one players. And the reason why they missed him is because the Raptors have got into this nice little rhythm where C.J. Miles plays with the first unit at the end of the second quarter and at the end or in fourth quarter ball games when you need to extend the floor and add that other reliable three point shooter. That was a loss for the Raptors and it just shows you how meticulous this rotation is that they have between first and second units. It's bigger than the guys that the Cavs were missing though, right? I mean, Kevin Love had been back for one game going into Wednesday's uh, game against Toronto. He's still working his way back. He was still on a minute restriction up to that point. And the new guys hadn't played together, certainly not with Kevin Love. So you're right. Like, we don't know. We don't know. Maybe they'll be healthy. Maybe they won't be healthy. Maybe they'll come together here and build chemistry over the final three weeks of the season. Maybe they won't. It's the great unknown with Cleveland, and that's why I say it's hard to read into what we saw a couple days ago because that's not an accurate representation of the Cavs team that we'll probably see in a month and a half from now. Maybe they'll be better, maybe they'll be worse, but I can say with certainty that they'll be different. And even the Raptors, as we talked about, without Miles and in the second night of a back-to-back with all the games they've been playing lately, that's not an accurate representation of who they are as well. Now, they played damn good offensively, but the fifth-ranked defense in the NBA for the Raptors was nowhere to be seen. And, And presumably, if and when they're more rested, if and when they're healthy they should be better on that end. So for both teams, like I, I don't think it was fun. It was really fun. It, it was, was a, a fun game. game. It was a great honestly. game to be at. But outside of that, like that's what I'm taking out of it. Like I enjoyed watching that game. But now, like if anything, listen, if we need to take something, if we need to read into Cavs-Raptors matchup before the playoffs start, April 3rd, I think that'll be more interesting 
than than this was. We'll see. We'll see. We'll put a bow on, on Wednesday night, okay? And there'll be a smooth transition into what happened Sunday in a loss to the Oklahoma oh, Lord. City. I, Thunder, I don't even remember which, that. Which, game. honestly, I think, I, I think there there's a good reason why we still need to talk about what happened at home the day after St. Patrick's Day. Uh, coming out of this first segment, though, uh, as we come back into your second segment, you want to keep it locked because you're going to hear Jack Armstrong absolutely kill me. Stick a knife in my back and turn it around twice on the radio coverage on Wednesday night. So I've we'll been saying that. you're a jinx for well, years now. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. And then we'll get into Ben Gulliver, uh, writer for SI. He's high on the Raptors coming on Wednesday night. How about that? Yeah, we'll, we'll have the Gulliver. Does he know that DeMar DeRozan plays for... <laughs> Anyways, we'll get into all that next. Wheeler and Lewenberg with you. This is Jurassic Pod. Garrett, don't be talking too much smack. There's uh, 24 minutes left in the game here. So, oh, uh, I'm hyped, Jack. I'm ready for this. I've I been ready for this for weeks. We've all been, but it's know, halfway it's a, home, brother. It's a long night. Raptors only with 20 points in that third quarter after Garrett Wheeler called out the Cleveland Cavalier defense at halftime. I told Garrett not to do that. 79 points with Toronto in the first half, only 39 in the second half. So there is a D in Cleveland. Wheeler, it's my boy. You're my boy. But please don't talk smack anymore. Well, that was Jack Armstrong absolutely murdering me on Wednesday night. Um, In fairness, coming out of halftime, I was throwing it back to Paul Jones and Jack Armstrong uh, down at the Quicken Loans Arena. And I was like, yeah, Raptors, 79 points. 12 three-point makes. LeBron James down 15 at the half. There's no D in Cleveland. It's over. It's over, ladies and gentlemen. Basically. That's the first time that you've ever overreacted to anything. Ever. So it was was surprising. But I just loved it. And you might have put that as well. There's no D in Cleveland. I did. But there still isn't a D in Cleveland. No, they're, they're, second, they're second last in the NBA so, in defense. So Jack was just like, cool it, wheels. He he knows me well enough. We've worked together long enough. So fair point, Jack. I'm not sure if it will work, and I still think I'm going to continue to chirp going forward. It's got to be my DNA. It's at the top of the Wheeler scouting report, <laughs> that's for sure. At Wheeler TSN, at JLU1050. See, the, the, the reason why I was so upset after... Wednesday night's loss was because I knew the hot takes I'd be coming out of the game, and and more so from the anti Raptors perspective. Yeah. And being fair, you're being level headed, but just the comment, like the Shannon Sharps. I don't know why anyone pays attention to Skip Bayless. I I just don't. But just from the wide mainstream of people's like. I think it's fair to come out and say, you know what? I was disappointed in how the Raptors finished that ball game. That wasn't their best. But I thought Kyle Lowry said it best in, in, the, in the locker room afterwards. We played like trash. We cannot give up 60% shooting from the field and expect to win ball games, and which was a, the polar opposite perspective because Dwayne Casey was very mild-mannered. But know what? So was Kyle Lowry. And I heard this. Was I, he? I, I was uh, listening to Scotty Mack on the ride home from Cleveland yesterday, and he asked, I think it was Eric Kareen that was on, um, about Lowry's sort of anger after the game, and it, it wasn't really anger. Like I thought it was honesty. Like like you said, he was pretty straight up about like, hey, yeah, we played like trash. But there was no. It was. I've seen that room, and I've seen Dwayne Casey more ticked off after wins lately than they were after that loss. Because right. I, I mean, honestly, I think that's the way they were approaching it as well. Is like, shoot, this is the second night of a back to back. It's a game it, in late March that. 
like is a measuring stick, I guess, to a degree. If you're the Raptors, you're right. You said this earlier, Wheels. Like, I, I think for them, especially, you can look at the, it's, it's good to look at the tape and, and be like, okay, well, this is how we should have handled this. This is how we should have approached this. But outside of that, like, they're not reading much into that game, nor should they be. They need to be better. They, they need to be better. Def- you play defense against that Cavs team, you win. Because that team, if you put in any of those guys that were out, they're not a better defensive well, team. Well, that's why I say, like, even with my stance here on not reading too much into this, if there's a cause for encouragement, it's that. That Cleveland isn't capable of being a whole lot better defensively than they no. were on Wednesday. The Raptors are capable of being a whole lot better than they were defensively, right? We know that the Raptors can score pretty much at will against Cleveland. We've seen it now a couple of times this year. Defensively, they, they've got room for growth well, there. And how they, much, and they got the head coach to do it. How much room, <laughs> I don't know, just because, like I said, when LeBron is playing that well, when LeBron is playing that much, and when you surround him with four shooters, like that's not easy for anybody to defend. Well, I don't care if you're the fifth-ranked defensive team in the NBA or the first-ranked defensive team. there's a couple team. things that they can do better. Like, one, there was times where the guy that was guarding on that was on LeBron was guarding him way too close. Force him to be a three-point shooter. Like, take your bets. Like, you just can't open the lane with the floor spread the way it was and just leave a wide-open lane for LeBron James to take one step past you and slam it down. Secondly, you can't be cheating off shooters. You can't against that Cleveland team. Those are two takeaways right away that can lead to a better approach. And then sometimes it just comes down to wanting it more. It's requisite effort. Like, and we've already been through Ibaka. I I don't want to go back there. Um, But... Josh, our, our, our LeBron, LeBron is insane. Can I just say that? He's like, the best player of all time. Man, he is the best man. player of all time. Watching that and like we we've he's averaging a triple double since the All Star yeah. break. This those are Russell Westbrook tech, tech The numbers. dude is thirty three <laughs> years old. When when is he going to just like at some point? I'm he's hoping, supposed I'm hoping, to look human, I'm right? I'm hoping it's going to be playoffs, and this is why he's playing an insane amount of minutes here in March, and there's going to be no easy first-round playoff series for him. Well, there's still the potential that they could meet the Philadelphia 76ers in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, that would now, be tough. the Sixers are streaking. LeBron's future team. But, <laughs> could be, but I, that would be an incredibly difficult matchup because you have athletic bigs that could challenge Le- LeBron, and they're on a roll. But I was, these uh, minutes, these minutes have got to catch up to him at some point. You would think, if not, you bow down and you say, "Okay, you, you got us, right?" I was interviewing uh, Dave McMenamin uh, of ESPN after the game, and he said this is LeBron's best season since he came back to Cleveland. And I mean, it, it might be one of his best seasons. It, it is one of his best seasons ever in what's been a, a first ballot Hall of Fame career. One of the best, best careers ever. One of the he best careers. The best and he's having one of his best seasons ever at 33 years old, despite the fact that the Cavs, for the most part, have been a tire fire this year, which yeah. is probably why he's been as good as he's been, because he's had to be. McMenamin's buddy with ESPN, um, Brian Windhorst, wrote a story about how LeBron James allegedly gained seven pounds in a playoff game. How do you do? You you don't. That's the whole thing. And and, and I was eating Pizza Hut at halftime. I had Brian on air with me. He's like, "Well, 
because they asked him, is this just urban legend? He's like, well, LeBron said it was true. I'm like, that doesn't mean you need to believe it. Because LeBron James, by the way, doesn't think he's ever committed a foul in the history. <laughs> um, I'll get into that in a moment. But Ben Gulliver of SI, a guy that's been critical of the Raptors before, no. making the case that the Raptors should scare, ooh, scare the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's they actually should. a decent piece, and it's all to do with plus minus and where the Raptors rank based upon other teams that the Cavaliers have played. Over Le- and LeBron James specifically has played over the years. Some really interesting stuff there, and like I said, I, I stand by my my stance that listen, LeBron has done it, the Cavs have done it, they're the team to beat. But at the same time, like I read this piece, and and it was sort of eye opening in the sense that they're not invincible, and LeBron is not invincible when he's going up against teams that are better than he is. How much better the Raptors are than the Cavaliers when LeBron is LeBron? remains to be seen and that's what makes this Raptors team so interesting right because they've been exceptional this season they've had uh, an incredible season we don't know how much of it will translate into the playoffs and that's why hey keep keep watching keep listening it's going to be really fascinating but if the Raptors dominance here over the last few months translates into the playoffs then yes absolutely LeBron needs to be on high alert, and I think he is. Like, listen, that's been the big difference over the last couple of years, going back to that playoff series where the Cavs maybe did take their foot off the gas for a couple of games in Toronto, and they paid for it. And I think since then, there has been a healthy amount of respect from LeBron, from the Cavs to the Raptors, because I think they look at them and say, okay, this is as good a team as we've seen in the Eastern Conference since LeBron has been LeBron. Like, Indiana went after them. Boston, of course, I mean, with the, the big three, Boston was sort of a different a different story. They ended up knocking them out and winning the championship altogether. But like, look at those Indiana teams, uh, Atlanta. Um, well, just the, the, ra- the, the Raptors. Po- the Raptors are better than those. The teams, main in my point opinion. of the Gulliver piece is LeBron James in playoffs biggest challenges by net point differential. Uh, they played the Celtics, who had the best. Um, they were number one in terms of net point differential. LeBron the James lost to him in 2008. The 2008 Celtics. Yeah, the championship. The Celtics. 2017 Warriors beat LeBron James. They're number two on the list. Number three would be the Raptors. TBD. Number four, the Warriors again in 2015, and LeBron James lost. Now, there's no guarantee, and, and I want to be very clear about this, there's no guarantee that the Raptors will even play the Cavaliers come Eastern Conference Final or in the playoffs. Like, honestly, like, we're well, all getting okay. ahead of ourselves. Like, the Raptors need to get past LeBron James. What if the Celtics get them? So, what if the Sixers get them? What if someone else? That could happen. Let's get into this, because this was a big story on Wednesday. A lot of people wanting the Raptors to throw that game. Now, obviously, so the result worked out for those people. It did. Now, obviously, and they didn't throw the game, even though there were some <laughs> questionable late game decisions. Listen, two forty four to go. Dwayne Casey is not in the business of throwing games. The professional athletes are not in the business of throwing no. games, so it didn't happen. If there was ever an opportunity there to say, okay, well, we're not going to throw this game, but we're not going to do everything we can to win this game, it would have been resting Demar Derozan and maybe Serge Ibaka in that game. And I thought they might have actually, but instead they choose to rest Derozan the day before. And, I mean, there's something to the fact that the NBA is super touchy now. First of all, you're not really supposed to be resting guys on the road, but you're certainly not supposed to be resting guys on the road in nationally televised games. So, like, I think the idea so of... So rest- they made up 
gastroenteritis for CJ? No, I saw him after the game, which means his stomach is upset. I, I saw believe. him. I, I I believe it was really upset. I, I saw him after the game, and he looked like how you would imagine a guy who has gastroenteritis would look like that. He didn't. And by the way, that means that he did not look good. No. Um. So that was legit. Um. But it's all about jockeying for playoff positioning right now, and the East, there's plenty to be settled. So that's why I say, like, listen, I think the loss stings a bit, if for no other reason than they had that lead, they gave up the lead, it doesn't, the optics there are not great in that situation. It doesn't matter for the team, Josh, it doesn't. But the loss, long term, strategically... Could be for the best, because if you're a Raptors fan, and some people have disagreed with me on this, if you're a Raptors fan, you don't want to see the Cleveland Cavaliers in round two. That happened last year. You saw what the fallout. Things could be and should be different this year, and I've had a lot of people that come at me and say, well, listen, you're going to have to beat the Cavs eventually. The Raptors think that they're good enough to beat the Cavs. When does it matter when you do it? And you had a great point there, Wheels. You don't know what's going to happen before you see them, right? So the longer you put off seeing them, the more unpredictability there is in that now, situation. Now, this maybe where the nervousness comes in. Maybe here. Cleveland sees Boston in round two. Maybe exactly. they see someone else in round two, and somebody else beats them for you, and then you play Boston in round three. Like that's the best case scenario, right? You are you are cheering. You are hoping that the Cleveland Cavaliers win each and every one of their eleven games remaining in the season as yes. of recording, because the Sixers are just a game behind them, and they have a soft schedule ahead of them. So and they actually play so the does Cleveland. So does Cleveland. Oh, are you talking about Cleveland? Uh, Cleveland. Yeah. Oh, oh, and the Sixers they have both, a soft yeah. schedule. So uh, there's a lot of jockeying. Pacers 5, Wizards 6, 7th is the Heat. 8th looks like it's going to be the Bucks. Giannis is sitting out on Friday night. So and if you're listening to this after, I mean, and, and he's been laboring with a little bit of a knee issue. To but, me, it's just, it's only logical. The, the team that is the, that poses the biggest threat to you, the team that's the biggest obstacle, which I think most people... People would, or at least should agree, is Cleveland. You want to put off seeing them as long as possible. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, we'll get into what LeBron James has in common with the Toronto Raptors. As we wrap up shop here on Jurassic Pod, Wheeler and Lundberg with you, bringing it. It's a good win for us just because I've depleted we are with our roster and everything that's been going on. It's a good win for us. Versus a very good opponent, but um, I'm not. A re- I don't need to remind anybody what I'm. My teams are capable of doing so. That wasn't a factor. Here comes LeBron James up the left side near wing, right hand to the middle, gets a seam into the lane and jams it down. I think he's trying to make a personal point that he can play all 82. So it's a legitimate concern for him and for them if he burns out a little bit early this year. This is a quality edition of Jurassic Pod, if I don't say right? so myself. It's all Josh. It's all Josh. Well, you're carrying the load. You're under the weather today. You're bringing me back to life. I for- feel like this is. I've been more <laughs> energetic now than I have been for the last thirty-six That's hours. That's what the doc prescribed. An episode of Jurassic Pod. I had gastroenter. I had whatever. CJ gastroenteritis. Had. Oh, no, I think. I, luckily, I think you're you're in better shape, man. I'm telling you, like he's a he's a personable dude. He's a good like he. I always have good chats with him before after games. Like he he could barely stand. Right. He looked brutal. He's questionable if you're listening before 
the game on Friday. He's questionable against the Nets, and like normally with an illness, I'd say like play through it. But yeah, I mean, I based on the way he looked the other night, like he's not what a what a year he's had, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly. I mean, obviously he he uh, had his first daughter, which is a blessing, but then he's had to deal with just a a nasty wisdom (laughs) tooth infection issue, and then this gastroenteritis he's had like a knee issue he's been in and out of the lineup i think like overall and this is a a uh, appropriate timely conversation with damari carroll in town on friday like overall cj miles has had a good year especially considering who he's replaced I think he's gonna be huge come playoff time josh i but, think he's i think he's huge like but it's been up and, and down for him for sure they bleed pearls back at it seven offensive rebounds in cleveland thought siakam can, all things considered with the assignment that he had did great in delon right i mean but you need that fifth member of the band and that's going to be cj miles who can also check in give a different element with the starting unit. There was no Fred Van Vliet on Sunday. It was the day after St. Patrick's Day. We put on our game faces, got to work, and it was a honestly, Josh, as good of the game as good of a game as it was on Wednesday night, man, oh man, Sunday afternoon against the Thunder, that was incredible at the ACC as well. But what was an awesome game of basketball turned into a referendum on officiating. Right? And, and, and it's it's it the sucks. Thing that gets me, it was like, an, it was a fun, entertaining, competitive game. One of the best games of the season for the Raptors, I would say, in that regard. And for the, the neutral, end, it was just such a great game to watch. And at the end of it, we weren't talking about any of it, right? Because we were the, the story was the officials because they made themselves the story, right? Like, listen, I, I'm not even saying. I, I'm trying not to be a, a homer here in the way that I evaluate the officiating. They were bad it wasn't for both teams. It was but bad they were for both teams. For the Raptors. But it, it it doesn't even matter. It's it, when when you're an official. I always say this: the the officials officials are like hosts in radio. You don't notice the job that the host is doing unless they're doing a bad job. And for for you wheels, what? you're always doing you're always doing <laughs> for you wheels. You're always doing a good job, and oh, it's okay. just it's seamless. It's seamless, so you don't. It, it doesn't stand out as much unless it's bad, right? But with officials, it's the same sort of idea. Is right. Unless it's bad, you're not going to notice it, and that's the way that it should. You shouldn't notice them. They should be doing their job, officiating the game every once in a while. There's going to be a, a contentious, dubious call. And that sort of brings the focus to them. But this was the odd scenario where, like, I mean, obviously there was the the Brewer hit on DeRozan late in the game that was highly questionable. But it it wasn't one specific call that I thought led to a, a bad night for them. The it entire was game they were from poor. start to finish. Yes. And if you're the officials, you can't ever allow yourself to become a story of a game. You can't put your stamp on the game like they did. That was my issue. Not that they were pro-Raptors or anti-Raptors or any of that, but that they took over the game. Okay, we only have a couple minutes. Two facts I want to bring up. The last two-minute report matters and is there because the calls in the last two minutes of games oftentimes define or settle the, the score. When and it's nothing be. in the first 46 minutes no, no, hap- no, uh, matter. No, but oftentimes, if it's a two-point game, three, one-possession game late, calls and no calls, they make a big deal. And how DeMar DeRozan doesn't get the benefit of the doubt, even on the last two-minute report, said that Corey Brewer made contact with the hand, which was part of the ball. Star players get that call. Okay? 
all day, every day. At the end of games? At the end, absolutely. Maybe LeBron that James. That was a great... And this is where I wanted to do the comparison. LeBron James whines, bitches, moans, complains more than just about any other player in the NBA. Yep. And it drives players crazy. But do you know what happened at the end of that Cavaliers game? Fred Van Vliet gets called for like a phantom foul on like a screen. He buys calls later in ball games. But there was also a call that was botched against LeBron at the end of that Cleveland game. Which I remember him complaining about one. I didn't think it was botched though. No, it wasn't a foul at all. They called a foul on him. It wasn't a foul at all. All I'm saying is that the Raptors in the last two minutes of ball games don't always get the benefit of the doubt. And I'm not blaming the officials here, Josh. Some of it has to do with the way that DeMar DeRozan plays. When you isolate, iso ball, one-on-one, you're forcing the referee to make a call, make a decision, whether to blow the whistle or not. It's more of the style of play that DeMar plays and the Raptors play at times, which, put, which puts the focus on the official. So I think it's a risky game to play. That's why teams that move around the ball don't put the power in the officials' hands. They're oftentimes, they get the benefit of the doubt. A controversial tweet that I put out after that game. Well, that was the second thing I wanted to get into. A a highly debated tweet. It was pointed. Was (laughs) that the Raptors have a reputation, an image issue, in the way that they interact with and around the officials. Now, I think a lot of people took it out of a context. I was, I'm certainly not excusing the officiating issue that exists in the NBA right now, uh, but that's a bigger issue. That's the NBA's issue. The Raptors should only worry about what they can control. And while it might not be hurting them directly to be seen as a, a complaining team, it's certainly not helping them. Right. If anything, it's distracting. It's, I mean, they're, they're not getting back on defense occasionally because they're arguing. They're bleeding points in crucial situations when they are, are getting technicals or in the case of the OKC game getting ejected, all, although the game was all pretty much decided at that point. Anyways, listen, the Raptors are not the only team in the NBA that has this no. issue. And we just talked about LeBron James, so certainly DeRozan, Lowry, you can throw probably Ibaka and JV in there because they argue a lot too. They're not the only players that have this issue. That said, like, listen, the, the old Clippers absolutely had a reputation around the league, and people were getting sick and tired of them. Officials know about it, and officials are human. So while you can say, they call what's a foul, don't call what's not a foul, they're not robots, there's a bias, there's a subconscious there too. And they, they're aware of it. In the same way that teams prepare for opponents, scout opponents before right. the game, officials prepare for who they're about to officiate. They know that the Raptors have a, a respect issue, quite frankly, and complaining is fine, everyone does it, but be smart about it. If you're the players, pick your spots, uh, defer to Dwayne Casey, it's his job to work the officials, be smart about it. The Raptors, for the most part, aren't smart about it, and it's not just on the court either, and this is another issue, and this is a big one, more of an internal one than a reputation one, but I can tell you that the Raptors, they, they don't lose too often these days. But after almost every loss they've had this season, me being in the room after the game, hearing what our players are saying to each other, even more than what they're saying to us, hearing what they say to each other, there's been a vibe after many of these games in that room that this is the official's fault. This isn't our fault. And that is a bad attitude, a bad approach to have. And a lot of the times, some of the times it's made it out of the room and they've made public comments and then all of a sudden you're showing up the officials and right. that's not a good look either. That's not going to help you earn the benefit of the doubt. Well, execution will be key. Um, 
DeMar DeRozan needs to hit his free throws at the end of ball games. Raptors need to play better D at the end of ball games. But I do understand where they're coming from oftentimes. Um, we'll have to get into more of this next week. I thought it was a really good week for the Raptors in terms of learning teachable moments. You played against the two biggest alphas in the NBA, two guys that drive their team more than anyone else, and Russell Westbrook and LeBron James, and you were in both games. You had a chance to win both games, and that's going to be huge in terms of building up a resume and experience come playoff time yeah. for a lot of these young players. Yeah, I mean, to clarify so, my earlier comments, like there's, I don't think there's a whole lot that we can take out of that Cleveland game, maybe a little bit more that we can take out of the OKC game, but for them internally, there's a lot they can take out of those games yep. and that's what's important here because you're the right outside world continue to underrate the Raptors we all know how good they are the, bottom line this is bottom what you line. this is what you want at this time of the year you're not gonna like the, the Raptors play the Nets on, on Friday night and this could be a another 20 30 point blowout and you just don't get that much if you're the Raptors out of those types of games the games that you're gonna learn from at this time of the year going to the playoffs are the ones that are similar to the type of games you're gonna play Come playoff time. Good stuff, buddy. Uh, two better games after the Friday night. If you're listening to this on the weekend, just ignore. Friday night didn't even happen. Uh, Clippers Sunday, we have that game for you right here on TSN 1050. A 5 p.m. pregame, 6 p.m. tip-off there at the ACC. Stay at home on Tuesday. Jamal Murray, K-Dubs, Tri-City area. He rolls into town with the Denver Nuggets. Then a little time off, which will be good for the Toronto Raptors. And Sergi Buck. And good for us as well. Uh, Shout-out to the Raptors 905. It can be confirmed their first home playoff game will come next Wednesday night. There you go. Uh, against TBD. So all that coming up, follow along at JLU1050 for all of his own hot takes. <laughs> Pointed commentary. How's that? Better? Sure. And then you can hear me not ruffling feathers, just keeping things going jinxing, as a proper Jinxing host. the Raptors. Jinx. Jack, I love you, buddy. I will jinx when I want to jinx. Another episode of Jurassic Pod in the books. Thank you to so much to all of you that are listening. Subscribe on iTunes, like, spread the word, and we'll continue to do you, We the North Justice. On behalf of J. Lou, I'm Wheels, and this has been Jurassic Pod.